namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang tamang sanghang namasami. We've been very blessed with this uh, beautiful springtime weather uh, for this last uh, last period, last uh, week or two, and. Uh, just walking uh, today through the uh, the grounds of uh, Amravati and uh, smelling the the fragrances of the the flowers, the narcissi and hyacinths, and the um, uh, seeing the cherry blossom and uh, appreciating the uh, the peaceful, benign atmosphere and. Uh, and the qualities of the this place, then it's easy to uh, to see the this is uh, this is what our paradise must be like. Peaceful people, beautiful flowers, blue skies with a few neatly placed puffy white clouds. <laughs> Just like a kind of picture picture book paradise, a sort of Walt Disney. Um, uh, paradise how it's uh, how it's supposed to be so that uh, it's uh, England that it's uh, most delightful most beautiful so the heart uh, really enjoys this uh, these kind of qualities beautiful um, aspects of nature uh, lovely colors fragrances beautiful sounds and forms, beautiful sights, and uh, also the qualities of, uh, of peacefulness, displaying the qualities of the uh, beautiful human uh, behavior, people living uh, wisely, skillfully in relationship to each other. No one's, no one's uh, <coughs> shooting at each other, blowing each other up here in the grounds of Amravati. <laughs> But uh, as is often pointed out, even if the, the conditions that we, we are experiencing are paradisical, like a paradise, you know, sort of picture book uh, paradise, or like the, uh, the pictures on the, the, box of, the, the, uh, the cover of the box of chocolates, <laughs> it's still possible to be uh, miserable, to be in hell, isn't it? This is one of the, the ironic things is that sometimes it makes it even worse when the place where you are is absolutely beautiful and everyone's really kind and helpful and nice and you know, all the flowers are blooming and the, the, uh, the weather is the perfect temperature. It's what, 73 degrees. <laughs> not too hot, not too cold. It can be even worse because there's nothing you can blame it on. You know, you feel grumpy and oppressed, uh, restless, insecure, irritated, unsatisfied, uh, whatever it might be. So it's a, it's, 
a, a powerful teaching, isn't it? And even when we're living in paradise, you can still be in hell. We can still be miserable. We can have a, a conflict with a, another member of the community or someone in our family. There can be a, 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 an obsession in the mind, something that we're afraid of, something we're annoyed by, something that we are desiring, something that uh, we're uh, afraid of losing. And that can take over the whole landscape, take over the whole environment. It, and the, the uh, fragrant uh, spring flowers and the beautiful blue skies can completely disappear because we're carrying around you know, that person or my problem or uh, this difficulty or you know, my fear. So this is what we, we bring our attention to. Isn't, isn't it strange? Isn't it amazing that... Uh, that uh, even when the conditions are perfect, there's nothing that uh, we can look at and think um, that's that's wrong or bad or it shouldn't be that way. In truth, still the mind can can uh, be upset, be irritated. We can feel alienated and lost, unsatisfied, in a state of conflict or dissatisfaction. Sometimes the, uh, the springtime, uh, the energy of the spring, everything growing and the leaves uh, bursting forth on the branches and the, all the animals uh, busy uh, nesting and mating and uh, kind of the giving off these signals of, this of nature in its sort of fertile abundance, uh, that can also just be stirring our own heart, uh, contributing to our feelings of, uh, of restlessness, or agitation, and uh, what they call spring fever. Just, I want something. I don't know what it is, but I want it. <laughs> now. Kind of spring fever. of uh, Just by breathing the air, just by being in this environment, we can, we can uh, get kind of caught up in that. We find ourselves extra excited, extra agitated, extra... You know, keen and and uh, say uh, stimulated. <coughs> so it's important to reflect on, on the, the the way that these things work, and uh, and essentially how uh, every everything of our of our world really hinges around our attitude towards that world. In a way, uh, our attitude forms the world that we experience. If, uh, if the, the mind is attached to particular fears, particular uh, desires, particular opinions, uh, a particular identity, a uh, sense of who you are and what you possess and how things should be. Um, uh, if that uh, attitude is deeply entrenched, deeply embedded, then uh, we're easily going to find that uh, the beauty, uh, the, the delight of the, the environment around us, the people that we're with, will be obscured, it'll be hidden, it'll be 
buried underneath that uh, the walls of feeling that the, our own heart creates. The Buddha said you know, that in the world whereby, whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world, that is called the world in this Dhamma and discipline. And what is it whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world? The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. That is the, the means. That is that whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world. That's the world. So what we see here, smell, taste and touch, think, that it, that is the world. The world we know is the world of our experience. And if our experience is completely permeated with an attitude of fear, an attitude of uh, restlessness, an attitude of uh, uh, criticism or complaining, an attitude of, of desiring, then that's the world. <laughs> you look around Amravati and everything is wrong. Well, maybe not everything is wrong, but the, the eye perceives wrongness. That's the way it works. That's the, the, the attitude uh, uh, conditions the world, conditions the world that, that we experience. So essentially, mind is what matters. Uh, that's a, a phrase that came to mind last year in trying to sort of encapsulate uh, this, this principle. You know, mind is what really matters. You know, the, the, uh, the mind the attitude that we bring to each moment, that's the, that's the essential thing. And if we uh, are uh, unskillful, if there's avijja, if there's ignorance, then what the, 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 uh, the mind will bring to each moment is, uh, it shouldn't be this way, I want more of this, I want less of that, uh, he should be like this, I should be like that, she should be this way, uh, they should be that way. <laughs> uh, Avicca, ignorance, creates uh, the causes for, for suffering, for that discontent. And that, um, that's the chemistry of it. When the, the heart is free of ignorance, when it's no longer uh, clouding or covering over the, the simple perceptions of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling... Uh, with those biases, the um, the agati, we call the agati, the biases, the bias of fear, the bias of of desire, the bias of uh, aversion, and the bias of delusion. The four agati, or these sort of biases or ways that the mind dis distorts perceptions. Then, if it's free of the agati, free of those biases, then we meet a very different world. We meet a, a, a world that uh, really is paradise, that, uh, that there's the heart is really free of difficulty. As I say, you know, in the springtime when there's a lot of movement and change, we finish the winter retreat and suddenly there's a lot more guests and people are going traveling and we're preparing for the big uh, Sangha gathering. Lumpur Sameto should be here in a couple of weeks or so. And there is that, uh, as I was saying, there's this kind of turbulence or, or agitation in the air, spring fever. And that, so that, can, uh, that activity, that agitation can incline the heart 
towards more of those biases. More, it kind of enlivens them or charges them up. But still, the, the practice really remains the same. I was also, uh, as I was walking around and uh, admiring the, the blossom and uh, smelling the, the fragrance of the hyacinths and the narcissi and these, uh, also these you know, beautiful lilies and um, orchids that, uh, of, uh, decorating the, the shrine here. I was uh, reminded of that, um, one of Lumpur Sumedho's favorite poems, the, uh, the poem by W.B. Yeats called uh, Sailing to Byzantium. And uh, it starts off, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a reflection on his, his own old age and his own sort of spiritual aspirations. But the first verse of it begins, That is no country for old men. The young in one another's arms, birds in the trees, that dying generation at their song. The salmon falls, the mackerel crowded seas, all fish, flesh, fowl, commend all summer long, whatever is begotten, born and dies. Caught in that sensual music, all neglect, monuments of unaging intellect. I understand that's rather fancy English. <laughs> and uh, so, some of you for whom English is not your first language and some of you for whom English is your first language <laughs> might uh, miss a few of the nuances of that. But it's painting a picture, you know, the salmon falls, the mackerel crowded seas, like the waterfalls filled with, with, sa with, with salmon, the, the seas brimming with mackerel fishes. Um, all fish, flesh, and fowl—the the, the fishes, the, the birds, the, the animals—commend all summer long. All fish, flesh, fowl commend all summer long. Whatever is begotten, born, and dies. So this is the like the song of the the active, breeding, uh, uh, created, living world. Uh, and then it is a kind of celebrating that uh, the spirit of life and activity and and growth. But then uh, he makes this comment, a very insightful comment, caught in that sensual music, caught in that spring fever, caught in that, uh, that agitation of becoming, caught in that sensual music, all neglect, monuments of unaging intellect. So that's a fancy way of saying uh, you're so filled with spring fever that you're, you're, uh, you're kind of drunk on spring fever, uh, so filled with that, that kind of excitement that uh, you neglect the monuments of unaging intellect. We neglect the quality of wisdom. We neglect uh, the reality of the way life works. The next verse begins, An aged man is but a paltry thing, a tattered coat upon a stick. <laughs> uh, Yeats really didn't like getting old. <laughs> But I won't go on to the whole the rest of the poem, but just that it was that that verse about uh, caught in that sensual music, all neglect the monuments of unaging intellect. That was the the lines that that sprang to mind in particular. How when the heart is caught up, is engaged in activity and change and and uh, respond uh, being uh, say filled with, with a list of things to do and people to see and stuff to, to take care of. There is the neglect 
the, the mind is caught in avijja. The mind gets caught up in not seeing clearly. We we get uh, carried away, literally. We, uh, the when the the agati get really stirred up, they're, they're called the gaha, the obsessions, the same qualities: uh, uh, fear, uh, of, uh, desire, aversion, and delusion. So when the agatis get really cranked up, they're called the gaha, the obsessions. And the the word gaha has the carries the image of literally being carried away, like being grabbed by a demon and sort of carried off, like. A, um, the uh, like uh, was it um, uh, Radha and Krishna being uh, carried off by uh, the demon Ravana to uh, to Sri Lanka? <laughs> if I'm remembering my Indian mythology, it's like grabbed by a demon and carried away. So when we're obsessed, my project, yeah, my kitchen, my my uh, my international elders meeting, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my phone call to the family, my uh, redecoration project, my uh, whatever it might be, then uh, it's like being uh, abducted by a demon, grabbed and carried away. So that happens, but it doesn't have to happen, and that's this is where the the, the practice comes in. That uh, and as I was, I was uh, saying at the morning reflection at the breakfast time, that uh, the the fact is. Uh, amazing and wonderful fact is that it's entirely up to us in each moment the attitude that we bring to our experience of the world we bring the attitude that the heart uh, receives the world with that's up to each one of us that's uh it might not seem like it when the demon is sort of <laughs> carrying us the demon has abducted us and is carrying us away but uh, that's the amazing thing, and that's what the Buddha, the Buddha's teaching, points to, and over and over again, the, in the in the teachings, it's uh, the Buddha points. It's a, this is a, a, a religion, a, a teaching of personal responsibility. It's up to you, up to me, what we do with this moment. It's not through the the um, uh, the 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 forces of the the uh, protective deities or the kind of um, uh, other influences from outside. Essentially, it comes down to to each one of us in in this moment, uh, what we we do with seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling. The flow of our emotions and uh, and moods, uh, the choice is there. We forget. That's what uh, that's what the 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 biases, the, the obsessions do. They they make us forget. We caught in that sensual music. We neglect. Uh, we get we get carried away. We we uh, uh, become convinced. But but I've got to, <laughs> I've got to draw up this plan. I've got to get this meal out on time. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. So it, it's easy to forget, but that's why we practice. Because, yeah, we forget, we get lost, we make mistakes. But the amazing thing is that it really does come down to each one of us uh, in each moment exactly uh, what, we, uh, what we do with seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. 
That's the, the great challenge, but also the great potential. Well, having said that, um, yeah, as I'm as I'm saying those words of, about how it's essentially a, a teaching of self-reliance, uh, we're not alone. Uh, we we are not alone, and so it it essentially comes down to what we bring to uh, the present, how we uh, handle the present, each one of us, but our capacity to be awake and to and to be wise and to to bring a, a skillful attitude to the, the present moment that's that's influenced by other things and we have each other the we we have our spiritual friends and so that one of the the uh, other most significant and helpful teachings is that uh, we are greatly influenced uh, the uh, ability to use the resources, the skills, the, the energy that we have is greatly affected by the people that we spend time with. So, say for example, in the Mangala Sutta, the, the Discourse on the Highest Blessings, you know, the Buddha is going through this, this list. Uh, the, this deva has come to the Buddha and asked, uh, what, are the, what are the greatest blessings you know, that, uh, for human beings? What are the things that are the greatest mangala? That, and a mangala is like a lucky charm or a protection or a kind of a, uh, something that uh, keeps away uh, difficulty and confusion and danger. And um, So a mangala can be like an amulet. Uh, it can be a, like a symbolic tattoo that protects you from dog bites or but also it can be a, um, a mantra, a thing that you chant, uh, um, but also it can be a kind of uh, particular spiritual practice or meditation, or it can be an, an attitude. Um, and so when the, the deva asks the, the, the Buddha, what are the, the, the greatest mangalas that, um, uh, you know, that can be used to help protect beings, uh, to help... Uh, be supportive and protective of people. The Buddha doesn't mention anything about amulets or tattoos or <laughs> or protective mantras and and uh, special chants. But rather, he talks about, or uh, essentially, he talks about what you do, uh, attitude and conduct, is what he talks about in the the whole list of of thirty eight different mangalas blessings. And the very first two is. Uh, not to associate with fools and to associate with the wise. Asevana chabalanang panditana chasevana puja japujaniyanang etamang kalamuttamang. Asevana chabalanang don't associate with foolish people. Panditana chasevana but associate, spend time with wise people. This is the highest blessing. So that's like lesson one. <laughs> Pay attention to who you spend your time with, even within the monastery. They have a, a choice of: do you do you spend the time uh, with uh, with uh, those who encourage you towards uh, modesty and quietness, restraint, uh, towards uh, peacefulness, diligence, uh, fewness of needs, or do you spend time with people that encourage uh, opinions, restlessness, self-centeredness, confusion, agitation? <laughs> Who, who do we choose to hang out with? I'm not reading anybody's mind or spying on anybody, but uh, it, it's uh, this is something to consider. 
So the the Buddha pointed that that's a, there's an emphasis there on uh, on spiritual uh, companionship or the the effects of who your companions are on your spiritual life. And then there's that famous um, say uh, it's a it's a short teaching as a, a a brief teaching in the um, uh, Sangyutta Nikaya in the uh, with the uh, dialogue between the Ananda and the Buddha talking about spiritual friendship it's in the the uh, connected discourses on the path the Magga Sangyutta and uh, it seems as though Ananda has just been off practicing meditating by himself and this thought has arisen in his mind that um, the uh, uh, the quality of spiritual friendship is, is really important it's not just personal effort it's, uh, it's not just the the, the kind of uh, resolution and effort that, that people bring to the meditation that's important but also spiritual friendship is is a a very significant part of spiritual practice and so he uh, having had this thought arising in his mind while he's meditating then he uh, later that day went to to uh, see the buddha and paid respects and and told him that this this thought had arisen in his mind that uh, it's a uh, that spiritual friendship kalyana mitata spiritual friendship is uh, uh, half of the holy life and the buddha uh, as he often did said not so ananda not so it's not half the holy life but it's the whole of the holy life and uh, and then he speaks about um what, uh, why a spiritual friend is um, so important because a, and he he gives it that much emphasis he says it's the whole the whole of the holy life because it's our our good friends who encourage us to uh, to practice and to develop the eightfold path and that, that that's the the main source of our encouragement and our our resolution and uh, and our effort is through the the influence of of our good friends but then he also says but it's also uh uh in uh a phrase or a teaching that can be interpreted in a different way, saying that that uh, Kalyanamitta is the whole of the holy life. He can say it's uh, it's also by looking at me, uh, at, uh, at the Buddha himself, as as a as a spiritual friend. Uh, he said by relying on me uh, as a spiritual friend, then those who are subject to birth uh, can realize the birthless. Those who are subject to death can realize the deathless. And so then, uh, uh, that can be interpreted in a few. T- it's not he doesn't spell it out in a, in a huge amount of detail, but he just says this this phrase, "Relying on me, uh, then those who are subject to birth can realize the birthless." So that can be interpreted in a couple of ways. It can be interpreted by having faith in the Buddha as a teacher, by having a trust in his teachings as you know reliable directions. Uh, towards liberation, it can so it can be uh, uh, interpreted as uh, a, a, f- uh, a faith teaching, encouraging that quality of of uh, sadha, uh, the uh, aspect of devotion, or the, the developing one's faith as a uh, a disciple of the Buddha, one who's uh, eager to follow his way, but also on an internal level, as he says, what, uh, by relying on me. Those who who uh, um, 
uh, a subject to birth can realize the birthless, those subject to death can realize the deathless. That can also be seen in an internal way, like when we're, we're reciting the, the qualities of the Buddha the, um, <coughs> the, uh, at the beginning of the evening chanting, uh, that uh, those, those qualities of, of wakefulness, of wisdom, like uh, the sun awakening the lotus, the, uh, the, the qualities of the Buddha. This is also talking about the qualities and the effects of the wisdom of your own heart, the, the capacity to be awake, the, the, uh, the buddhi, the, the wakeful awareness, awakened awareness of your own heart. Yeah, by relying on that, that's how uh, that which was subject to birth can awaken to the birthless. Uh, that which was subject to death can awaken to the, to the deathless. So when the Buddha says, relying on me, it can be read as relying on, on him as a, 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 a personal teacher, but also by relying on awakened awareness, by a, a relying on that internal aspect of, of Buddha, the, that which is awake, that which knows, that which is aware, by, by, uh, by making that your friend, <laughs> like uh, that, that's your most reliable and uh, powerful companion. That's why we take the refuges, taking refuge in Buddha is not just trusting Gautama Buddha, the teacher who lived two and a half thousand years ago, but taking refuge in Buddha is that moment by moment choice to be awake, to be wise, to, to be aware. So, uh, <clears throat> but when we talk about Kalyanamitta, spiritual friendship, uh, and what the Buddha first points out uh, to in that teaching is that very quality of spiritual companionship, who you spend your time with, and the importance of the, uh, of the qualities of who you choose to be with, and the, the, the way that their values can encourage and, uh, and really bless and protect. During the, the winter retreat, um, during the, the daily readings, uh, I came across, uh, we were covering a section of the teachings about, uh, on Nibbana that uh, related to dependent origination, Paticca Samuppada, and um, the quality of, uh, of ignorance. And I came across this particular sutta that was very interesting. I believe I'd seen it before, but I hadn't really remarked on it so much. But it's one of the places where the Buddha is talking about what is the the supportive, what are the supportive conditions for avijja, for unawareness, for ignorance, not seeing clearly, for that neglect, that which causes us to neglect the monuments of unaging intellect, and, and it's uh, uh, in some places uh, when uh, he's talking about dependent origination, it's said that uh, the the cause or the the supportive conditions for for ignorance for avijja is the the asavas or the, the outflows. I would just naming those uh, as the supportive conditions, but in this particular sutta, which is in the the Book of the Tens, 
in the numerical discourses, he spells out a whole list, a kind of whole sort of causal chain, uh, a whole uh, system of um, causes and effects that feed and sort of nourish ignorance, <laughs> that the, keep uh, keep uh, the ignorance uh, the uh, alive, to keep keeps our uh, not seeing clearly. Uh, Fully uh, strength uh, keeps keeps it at full strength and that uh, in, in a uh, in a strong and functioning mode to distort our, our vision and perceptions, and it starts off with um, spiritual friendship. It starts off by saying, uh, when when a person doesn't have good companions, when you don't have noble friends, good friends, then. Uh, they, then that creates the causes for not hearing the true Dhamma. Like the people who are out at the, at the pub this evening are not hearing a Dhamma talk. Uh, I would imagine. <laughs> Maybe someone sitting in a pub with a, they got their, they've got a, listening to a podcast from the website. <laughs> I suspect there's not many people, you know, at the, uh, 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 down at the pubs, uh, listening to dumber talks, oh, or whatever uh, different ways we can uh, distract ourselves, watching TV or just um, uh, engaging in various, various and sundry different activities that uh, we can act wastefully. So he says, if you don't have good companions, then you deprive yourself of the opportunity of listening to the the true dhamma, yeah. and so that. Uh, uh, and and if you don't, uh, one who doesn't hear the true Dhamma, if you don't receive Dhamma teachings, if you don't listen to the Dhamma, if you don't read it, you don't hear it, um, then that co- uh, that means there isn't uh, a cause for the arising of faith. That the sadha doesn't doesn't have the fuel. There's no there's no nourishment, no fuel that will keep uh, or bring sadha, bring faith into being and uh, uh, will not nourish it. If there's no faith, if there's no sadha, or very little, then um, that leads to careless attention. Uh, ayoniso manasikara. So that means, so if we don't have any faith, we don't have faith in the spiritual teachings, we don't have faith in the possibility of liberation, we don't have faith in the, the uh, capacity that we have to be enlightened. And that the, and so forth, then uh, that means we uh, we much more easily put our attention onto uh, onto wasteful things, things that uh, feed the the mind's desires, feeds its aversions, feeds its uh, addictions to uh, sense pleasures and uh, to uh, distraction, to, uh, and so forth. So this is called ca- uh, careless attention, ayoni so manasikara. So what we uh, what we put our mind on, so that uh, we spend our time getting into political arguments, uh, uh, getting into squabbles over family property, uh, uh, opinions about uh, what's beautiful, what's ugly, uh, what we should do, shouldn't do. Uh, all the ten thousand different things that we can waste our attention on, uh, complaining about things, uh, trying to accumulate things, uh, and so on and so forth. Careless attention, 
And then if there, there is uh, careless attention, like if our, if our mind is getting caught up in, in secondary uh, issues or material concerns, uh, superficial um, sen- uh, concerns and obsessions based around uh, our own self-image or uh, feeding our desires or getting away from our, our, our problems, blotting out our problems then that leads to um, a lack of sati sampajanya, a lack of mindfulness and, and full awareness. We, we're blocking or we're, we're numbing the mind's capacity to be mindful and attuned to the here and now. If, if your head is filled with, uh, with, with the news, with political opinions, with family arguments, with your shopping obsessions, with your home improvements, you know, if you're uh, where you're going to go on holiday next year, or you're carrying around three different arguments that you have with with uh, various other people that you know, or you're uh, uh, you've fallen in love with someone and they're not, not interested in you, or or you've broken up with someone and they are still interested in you and you wish they weren't, <laughs> carrying all that stuff around, then that blocks the capacity to be mindful. Sati Sampajanya. So this is the, the term that Lumpur Sumedha used to use uh, for this is intuitive awareness. So that capacity to attend to the present moment and to be taking in, to be attuning to the, the whole picture. When there's no Sati Sampajanya, when there's no mindfulness and full awareness, no in, intuitive uh, intuitive wisdom, then that uh, that leads to a lack of restraint. Sangvara is a restraint, so uh, um, uh, so that you uh, uh, someone who is restrained is thoughtful, attentive. They're attentive. They're not caught up in what they're irritated by, or what they're they're attracted to, or what they're afraid of. They're um, but the one who lacks restraint will, uh, if there's something, if they see or hear or see something they, they don't like, they'll attack it or complain about it or criticize it. If they see something that they like, they'll chase after it, they'll grab it, they'll, they'll take hold of it. If they, uh, they see something that is, is uh, frightening or they perceive something that's, that's, that's worrying, then they'll be you know, caught up in that, uh, that fear. Um, and then a delusion, uh, moha, that uh, the the mind can get caught up in in, in doubt and confusion and, and uh, carried away by that. Um, so when what the mind is uh, lacking in restraint, we follow our impulses. So when there's a, there's no mindfulness and full awareness, no intuitive wisdom, then that makes us more impulsive. We like something, we chase after it. We dislike something, we attack it. Uh, then when there is a lack of restraint, then that, as I was saying, that feeds what the Buddha said is the three kinds of, of misconduct. When there's a, when the, when there's a um, poor, when the mind is unrestrained, when our conduct is unrestrained, that leads to um, the three kinds of unwholesome conduct, uh, unwholesome conduct in action, speech, and thought. So the, that... That lack of restraint and that kind of impulsivity uh, that that 
then makes us speak uh, on impulse. We, uh, if we dislike something, we immediately say, oh, that's awful, I hate that, I can't stand that. Or we say, oh, that's great, I want that, yeah, I've got to have that. We chase after things, we, we uh, opinionate about things, we, uh, we, uh, just whatever we, we, we think, we immediately start talking about it. You know, we kind of continually reiterate our, st- our stories and our opinions and, and uh, you know, anything that we see or any word that we hear becomes an immediate trigger for, for my opinion, <laughs> my story, what I like, what I dislike. And uh, that, uh, if that's then acted on, uh, spoken on and nur- nurtured in our thoughts, then the, those three kinds of, of wrong action then feed, they become the, the, the nourishment, the food uh, for the five hindrances. So that the that ha- if we act on uh, those impulses, if we speak on them, or we, we dwell on them in our thoughts, then that uh, strengthens their ongoing effect in the mind to, uh, and the five hindrances. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of lists here, but <laughs> this is how it appears in the teaching. So, the the three kinds of unwholesome action they feed the the hindrances: sense, desire, ill will, restlessness, dullness, and doubt. The uh, the things that hinder samadhi, and then the five hindrances are the food, the nourishment, the support for uh, for avicca for not seeing clearly so in this this whole sort of sequence starting off with not having good friends <laughs> uh, it leads uh, one thing after another after another it's a causal chain leading to the the end result of more ignorance not seeing things clearly and then that avicca then that's the the cause for the whole dependent origination the arising of of uh, of dukkha discontent dissatisfaction and the buddha uses this very beautiful image that he he uh, employs in a few different places in the teachings he said just as when the the rain falls onto the mountain tops in thick heavy drops falls on the mountain uh, and the, the rain falls into the little clefts and cracks in the mountain and then uh, from those uh, little kind of um, Cracks in the rocks and the uh, into the uh, uh, in the little clefts and gullies. Then it forms into pools, and then from those little pools, it forms into tiny streamlets. And the, the small the, the little streamlets join together and form uh, small streams, and then big streams, and then the big streams join together and uh, form the rivers. And and the rivers then feed the the great ocean. Uh, so, and then so in exactly the same way that. Uh, the the this causal chain works with starting off with um, with not having good friends. Then the, the, uh, just like the, the the rain falls into the clefts, the clefts and gullies and the, the pools and streams, and big streams and the rivers. And, and he says this is how ignorance is filled up. Just like the ocean is filled up with uh, is fed by the rivers. Uh, this is how ignorance, uh, the ocean of ignorance, is maintained. <laughs> How the uh, the ocean of avijja is kept brimful and uh, and is is sustained, but then of course in his usual systematic way, the Buddha says, but if you do have good friends, <laughs> uh, then the, the the chain works in exactly 
the, the opposite way. So if you do have good friends that, uh, and uh, wise companions, that creates the causes. That's the food, the nourishment for hearing the good Dhamma. If you hear the good Dhamma, that's the food, the cause, the, the nutriment for the arising of faith. When there's the arising of faith, then this uh, gives rise to, creates the causes for careful attention. Yoni so manasikara, uh, wise reflection, careful attention. When there's yoni so manasikara, that, that supports mindfulness and full awareness. When there's mindfulness and full awareness, that supports the quality of restraint, sangwara. You're more careful. So when there's restraint, that means you might uh, have a strong memory of something or you might uh, see something that's really exciting or upsetting, but you don't immediately just act on it or blurt out an opinion about it or say, well, that reminds me. Tell your story for the 10,000th time. (laughs) But uh, you you know that's that's an excitement, that's a fear, that's an aversion, that's that's a confusion, that's a... It's just an impulse. It doesn't have to be followed. So restraint is not suppression. It's rather the wise choice not to follow things that are destructive, harmful. So when there is restraint, sangvara, then that creates the causes, the nutriment for the uh, absence of the three unwholesome uh, actions, Uh, but rather it feeds wholesome action, wholesome speech, wholesome thought. When there is is wholesome action, speech and thought, then that deprives the five hindrances of their fuel, obstructs the five hindrances, and instead it feeds the seven factors of enlightenment. It nourishes the seven factors of enlightenment, and and they in turn are the the fuel, the the, uh, nutriment, for vijja, for awakened awareness. And so that's the, how the dukkha is deprived of, of, its, uh, of its, its own fuel, that the, the mind will not move towards creating uh, dissatisfaction, discontent, uh, and that sense of stress and insecurity, uh, insufficiency, a feeling of, of lack and... Uh, Discontent. So, uh, with the uh, the upcoming uh, international elders meeting, sangha gathering, then we have a great opportunity to spend time with wise people. <laughs> uh, having Lumpo Sumato back here and many of our esteemed uh, uh, com- uh, companions, uh, elders of this community, gathering from all over the planet to to be here uh, for. Sometimes this is a wonderful opportunity to draw close to the wise, to listen to Dhamma teachings, and to, in this way, to bring about the diminution of of ignorance and to strengthen the quality of of uh, awakened awareness of vijja itself. This is a great opportunity, and uh, with uh, with this. Uh, Gathering and listening to the the opportunity to to listen to the the teachings, and these same principles also, uh, you know, the uh, they're feeding the and supporting the aspect, the attribute of of community harmony. It's a sangha gathering. It's not just uh, bodies gathered together, <laughs> but the point of of this kind of thing is to help support a, a quality of communion. 
of connectedness, of a, a single-mindedness and a supportive presence, the same kind of field of supportive energy and attention and uh, intention. That, uh, that's a, one of the great uh, uh, blessings that can come from gatherings like this, is it it strengthens the field of spiritual friendship that we're all a part of and strengthens the quality of our involvement with it. Of course, you can't just decide to be harmonious. You know, it's that, that you can't just say we will have a <laughs> we will have a sangha gathering and boom, and then there's instantaneous um, spiritual friendship with everybody who arrives. <laughs> you can't just. Uh, have a, a an agreement at a committee meeting that you're all going to be wise and and helpful. Uh, it takes more than that. We can't just decide. Let's all be free of greed, hatred, and delusion, and it all <laughs> disappears. Uh, it doesn't work that way. We uh, to establish harmony it takes work. But if we uh, uh, if we bring the practice to each moment, then we're able to to work with the the conflicts or difficulties where we do carry around grudges if we are uh, misunderstood or or that uh, somebody uh, has uh, a a particular uh, difficulty that they uh, that we want to try and help with but we don't know what to 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 do in order to help them with it there are many many aspects to uh, what divides us, or what we, we can feel alienated from each other, or, or distant from each other. You can't just decide to be totally in accord with each other and full of understanding. But we can bring attention to that feeling of, oh, I wish I could help uh, that monk. You know, he's really stuck when I don't know what to do. But we can bring attention to that. Or, we, or if someone's got a grudge against us, or we're being misunderstood or misrepresented. I often speak of this as this, one of the highest practices that we can develop, is to learn how to be misunderstood, to be misrepresented. When people are saying things about you that aren't true, <laughs> and something in us wants to go, but, 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 it's not that way. You don't understand. That's not fair. We can establish harmony and establish a concord by uh, the, our openness to that very feeling rather than trying to to wipe out that problem and then make me and you harmonious with each other uh, instead of trying to get rid of that difficulty or that uncomfortable emotion we uh, we resolve it by bringing attention to it. So this is the, I wish I could help uh, Ajahn Anando, but I don't know what to do to, to really fix him. <laughs> That's this feeling. He doesn't, I hope he doesn't mind me using him as a random example. <laughs> That's what this feeling is. I wish I could help Ajahn Anando, but I don't know how to do it. Feeling. I wish that uh, Ajahn so-and-so would... Uh, would drop that uh, uh, unhelpful opinion and be in harmony with everyone else. Uh, uh, that's what this feeling is. I wish he would drop that opinion and, and truly be in harmony with everyone. Feeling. <laughs> that's what this is. 
so that rather than than looking at obstacles or problems or uh, looking at the challenges or the things that divide us in a negative way, it's by bringing the practice right to that, bringing the attention to those uh, those very feelings. That's how we, mysteriously, that's how we we genuine, genuinely establish harmony. That's at least how I found that it works. So in terms of uh, the Sangha gathering and uh, even outside of that, even just living here at Amravati or living in our families, and our communities, and our workplaces, if we want to establish a, a genuine quality of, of harmony and uh, spiritual well-being between ourselves and others, it's not just, uh, as Lumpur Sumedha would say, thinking pink. It's not just sort of, you know, may all beings be harmonious, you know, put it on a big sign on your fridge. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not just having the, the ideal or the, the aspiration. It's not just sort of carrying that round as a, as a hope, it's not just wishful thinking, but uh, it's by the careful attention and the uh, awareness of that feeling of division or the feeling of wrongness, the feeling of difficulty. Here in the present moment, when we open the heart to that, we know it uh, for what it is, that very quality of, of knowing, that vijja, that uh, awakened awareness of what is present, that's what... Uh, brings up about the quality of resolution. The dukkha ends. The, the wrongness or the badness or the shouldn't, it shouldn't be this way-ness comes to a, an end. That's why we, we say when there's vicha, there's, uh, there's, when there's awakened awareness, then uh, dukkha can't arise. That sense of discontent, incompleteness dissatisfaction can't arise it doesn't have any fuel it's like there's no petrol in the tank the car can't go <laughs> if there is if there's vija dukkha can't go you know the, there's no fuel for it and the 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 vija the awakened awareness is the attitude that our heart brings and we we have the capacity to do that and uh, this is a uh, say one of the great blessings of the teachings and living in this wonderful environment and this supportive community that we have, it can remind us that we can be awake uh, every moment and that when we are, when there's, uh, when there's true awakened awareness, true vijja, then the dukkha ceases. It run, it's run out of fuel. There's nothing to power it. So... The, the heart is, uh, is freed from that. The, there's a quality of, of contentment and ease and we can really enjoy uh, and uh, delight in the environment, whether it's a beautiful paradisical spring day or whether it's sort of horizontal rain and freezing, uh, freezing cold. Yeah, that's immaterial. Whether it's pleasant conditions or, or unpleasant is completely beside the point. So I offer these thoughts for consideration this evening.